Grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. My name is Ryan, and I am honored to serve as the pastor here at Wesley Chapel and Rock Springs United Methodist Churches. We are delighted that you have joined us this morning for our special online joint service between the Floral Hills Mount Olivet Cooperative Parish and the Wesley Chapel Rock Springs United Methodist Charge. We are delighted that you have joined us, whether this is your first time worshiping with us online or whether you worship with us here faithfully week after week. We love to see your name scroll across the screen as you tune in for worship, and that is especially true this week. As many of you know, I am on vacation this week, so we are excited to present this worship video for you online and to have you worship with us. We're going to hear a great word from the Reverend Blair O'Quinn from Watson Memorial United Methodist Churches, and we are just so excited that you have joined us for worship. It's going to be a great day hearing God's word proclaimed, of singing some songs, and just worshiping God together. So we invite you to settle in as we settle into this time of worship, and as we hear some words of greeting from the Reverend Timothy Barth. Brothers and sisters, from Blue Hills and Mount Olivet United Methodist Churches, I want to take a moment to thank the Reverend Ryan Ware and the Reverend Blair O'Quinn for making this service possible today. As noted by the Reverend Ware, I am also taking a vacation this week, and so we are excited to offer something new, something different, a joint services between Wesley Chapel, Rock Springs, United Methodist Churches, and Floor Hills, Mount Olivet, United Methodist Churches. It is a joy and a blessing to worship alongside of you and with you. Let us take a moment to center ourselves, let's, let's just breathe in God's Spirit as we get ready to hear the words proclaimed. And now hear these words of illumination. God who speaks. Your laws are perfect and they revive our soul. Your commands, your precepts, your words, O oh God, enlighten us with wisdom that can only come from you. And so, holy and gracious God, may your spirit illumine this word, this proclamation, that we may hear that our eyes might be opened and our souls might be revived only by your grace. We pray these things in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And now for the proclamation from the Reverend Blair O'Quinn of the Watson Memorial United Methodist Church. Hello. Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the lamp unto our feet and the light unto our path. My name is Reverend Blair O'Quinn. I am the pastor of Watson Memorial United Methodist Church, and I was asked to give this sermon and some of this time of scripture and reflection here while your pastor is on vacation. And so I am looking forward to spending the next several minutes with you. Our first scripture reading today comes from the Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. For the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who went out in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into the, his vineyard. 
And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, You go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the householder, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do with what I choose with what, I, what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our first hymn is The Old Rugged Cross. Yeah. 
scripture comes from Ecclesiastes chapter 2 verses 12 through 26. So I turned to consider wisdom and madness and folly, for what can the man do who comes after the king? Only what he has already done. Then I saw that wisdom excels folly as light excels darkness. The wise man has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. And yet I perceived that one fate comes to all of them. Then I said to myself, what befalls the fool will befall me also. Why then have I been so very wise? And I said to myself that this also is vanity. For of the wise man as of the fool there is no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the days to come all will have been long forgotten. How the wise man dies just like the fool. So I hated life, because what is done under the sun was grievous to me, for all is vanity and a striving after wind. I hated all my toil in which I had toiled under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be a wise man or a fool. Yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. 
So I turned about and gave up my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun, because sometimes a man who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave all to be enjoyed by a man who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. What has a man from all that the toil and strain with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of pain, and his work is a vexation. Even in the night his mind does not rest. This also is vanity. There is nothing better for a man than that he should eat and drink, and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from him who can eat, or who can have enjoyment? For to the man who pleases him, God gives wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, he gives the work of gathering and heaping, only to give to one who pleases God. This also is vanity and a striving after the wind. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The first time I had set out to talk about this passage, when it first became apparent, was when we were going to close the church building. It was Friday, March 13th, and I was expecting to have to preach a sermon, assuming that it would be the last words that my congregation might hear from me for a while. I was expecting to have to close the church soon. I was not expecting to get the clothes order within an hour of walking in the door to my office that Friday morning. I was expecting that order to come the next Monday. And so with all of the insanity that has come with the pandemic and everything in our world today, I want to bring this passage to your attention. While the world seems to have completely changed from the world that we knew only a few months ago, I keep coming back to the words of Ecclesiastes. There is nothing new under the sun. It is fitting in times of upheaval that we seek out wisdom. It is in times such as these that our moral characters are put to the test, for it is easy to be a moral person in the best of times. In these extraordinary moments, these extraordinary moments, people show themselves for what we really are and how we have internalized our own moral codes. The Old Testament has several books dedicated to passing on wisdom throughout the ages, from the morality play in the book of Job to the collections of Sain in the book of Proverbs. We also find this curious little book in the Old Testament called Q-H-L, or koholet, a Hebrew word meaning to assemble, which gets translated into the Greek as Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is an odd book in the Bible. The author is a son of David, which many historically have connected to King Solomon since the king was well known for his wisdom. However, in both style and substance, this book appears to have been written much, much later, probably after the Greek conquest of the Holy Land. The author claims to be only a son of David, meaning that he is of the Davidic line, but 
there are no more pretensions than this. The author is clearly well-versed in both Hebrew theology and Greek philosophy. These two schools of thought make up the ancient pillars of our modern society, as without these two schools of thought, the Western world would be nothing like it is today. What makes the book of Ecclesiastes so special is that it directly interacts with both worlds, providing commentary on both approaches to the questions of life, happiness, and the pursuit of knowledge. It has been a favorite book of scholars, academics, philosophers, and preachers, as the book leans heavily into existentialist themes long before existentialism was even a philosophical school of thought, sometimes even venturing into nihilism, though it bears very little resemblance to these, such a modern understanding of this. It would be very easy for me to find myself in a rabbit hole covering the last 200 years of modern philosophy chasing after the wind, but that would miss the point of what the biblical author was trying to make when he cried, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Now, vanity is a word that appears constantly throughout nearly every English translation of Ecclesiastes. This is because the Hebrew word hevel, meaning the flimsy vapor that is exhaled in breathing, has been translated to vanity since the King James Version rendered it as vanity in the traditional understanding of the word, meaning a lack of value. Vanity can also be understood as absurdity or futility, while some translations, such as Robert Alter's translation, refers to the word hevel as mere breath, to imply the fleeting nature of the word. This is further echoed by the other metaphoric phrase found throughout the book, striving after wind, which uses ruach as the Hebrew word in contrast to mere breath. The polemics of the author of Ecclesiastes eventually leads to a discourse on what it means to live wisely and foolishly, and what good there is in this life. The book asks, what happens to the fool will also happen to me. Why then have I been so very wise? The same thing the author refers to here is death. This thought process should not be confused, however, with a teenager's angsty nihilism. This isn't dust in the wind or nothing even matters or some of the other edgier pop songs of the last 50 years. The author asking this question asks this after acknowledging a line of thinking that is obvious. It is better to have wisdom so that we might see, else we will stumble around in darkness. And this mirrors most people's thoughts on how we think about wisdom and the pursuit of knowledge. It is better to learn more than to be ignorant. Wisdom is a good quality, one that we should all strive to increase within ourselves. Otherwise, we would stumble and fall, wandering about in darkness. So why then does the fact that we all die and fade into obscurity within the passage of time bother the author so very much? Perhaps for the same reason, it bothers us as well. For asking this question acknowledges that things are out of our control. 
one of the main thrust of Paul's ministry is that we cannot save ourselves. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. That's Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. Our salvation through Christ comes not from how wise we are, or how hard we've toiled for Christ, but from Christ. Whether we spend our lives living obediently to God's word or realizing the error of our ways and convert on our deathbed, we are still subject to the same fate. I'm reminded of the parable of the vineyard in Matthew 20, where Jesus tells a story of laborers being called throughout the day and receive the same daily wage, regardless of how long they worked or toiled in the sun. And even if we grumble about this result, about the unfairness of it all, this does not change God's mind on what the end result of our labors shall be. We all face the same choices, and in the end, we will share the same fate as those who were idle through most of their lives. Though not quite the same, the author of Ecclesiastes echoes the frustration of others benefiting from the same things that we have. While the laborers in the vineyard cared about laborers who did not work as long, the author is more concerned with those who will benefit from our toils after we are gone. This is a gamble that we make in our toils and our lives, that our children would have a better life than we did. While in ancient times this would mean inheriting titles, positions, land, and wealth. In the modern era, this also means paying for our kids' education, buying them clothes, and making sure that when they reach adulthood, they will have more going for them than we did. Yet, this is a gamble, for we have no idea what lessons our children might have taken from us. Sometimes they take the desires for knowledge and wisdom to heart, while others may instead squander what we give them. Worrying about this, however, is absurdity. What comes after us is no longer our worry, for we will have passed on. It is not a concern of ours that others may enjoy the fruit of our labors and striving for wisdom, as they themselves will also find that reveling in such fruit to be so short-lived. It did not take long for the prodigal son to come back to his father, and after all, and should those that come after us choose to waste our efforts, they too will be forced to toil and strive. But if worrying about how to live life and the lives that come after we are gone is in vain, then what can we take pleasure in? The answer is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God, for apart from him who can eat and who can have enjoyment. 
Now, this is not like the sinful comments of those who made the remark of, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die in Isaiah 22:13b. For these are not the pleasures gained from the extremes of human indulgence. Instead, the author of Ecclesiastes is telling us to find that there is joy in whatever we find ourselves in. That we are to enjoy things in life, whatever they may be. There is joy in consuming food and drink, and there is joy in our work and in living our lives. God created such pleasures for us and gave us the opportunity to live in this world. And though the world is turned upside down right now, there is still joy to be found in the simple things in life. Though we are isolated, we can still find joy in the human interactions that are possible in this moment. Even finding joy in turning on the internet and watching me talk into this camera. There is joy found in the work that we do. Even if our usual work is on hold for now, or if our work has increased dramatically because of the crisis we find ourselves in. We find ourselves in extraordinary times. Many of us are having to learn brand new ways of doing things. We have been faced with new challenges that most of us could never have even imagined a few months ago. How do we conduct worship when nobody can come to church? How can we hold face-to-face -face meetings and share documents when we are not able to meet face-to-face? -face? How can we keep ourselves and others safe when faced with a disease that can spread without people showing any symptoms? These and more are the challenges we face today, and we must work and toil at it if society is to continue functioning. Now we can either grumble and complain, or we can accept the joy given to us by God and take pleasure in these struggles. Yet, there is a caveat to all of this. We must please God. How then can we gain the favor of one that nothing we can do would ever earn us our salvation? It is by the grace of God that we find enjoyment at all, the grace that is available to us all, even before we are ever aware of it at work. For God desires that we live according to the kingdom of God, even when that kingdom has not come into its full glory. It is through living into this that we show our true colors to accept or deny the gift that is eternal life. It is offered to each of us, and should we choose to accept God's truth, then we may live into the fulfillment that is eating and drinking and finding fulfillment in our toils, not out of hedonistic pleasure, but out of a deeper sense of joy that comes from being of God. We are offered a choice, even in this present circumstance. We can live according to the wisdom that has been offered us, or we can reject it and act like fools. We can embrace this new struggle and accept all the new ways that we might serve God, or we can complain in self-loathing, seeking only moments pleasure that is just as fleeting as the wind. Let us pray.
Lord, you have given us an opportunity to work for your kingdom in a world that we could not have imagined. Give us the courage to embrace this new reality so that we might work and toil for those who will also inherit your love and grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Reverend O'Quinn. As we continue in worship, we do so by responding to God's call on our lives today. One of the ways that we respond to God's call is by confessing the faith that we all know and believe. I invite you to join with me as we confess our faith this morning using the historic Apostles' Creed. Won't you join with me? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Surrounded with four. 
Thank you so much. On behalf of Tim and I, I want to thank you for worshiping with us in this new and different way as we try and experiment in what it means to worship together in a joint worship service. We appreciate your patience with us as we take this much-needed time away, and thank you for the blessing that it has been to worship with you in this new and different way. It certainly has been a joy and a blessing to have you join us in this new experiment between us and Watson Memorial United Methodist Church. We certainly want to take a moment to thank the Reverend Boyle Quinn for his work and putting up with us. I mean, it's quite difficult sometimes. Yes. But we also praise God for wonderful friendships. Thank you for joining us. And now for a benediction from the Reverend Boyle Quinn. Hear now these words of benediction. Go forth into the world, finding enjoyment in the simple things and in the circumstances we find ourselves in. Bring this spirit of joy to all that you encounter, so that all might know the love of God. And in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.